day two, Wednesday morning of our study, going through the, the book, the topic, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? As we do that, uh, how many of you guys like to, anybody here like to sell or buy things on eBay? Not kind of, not really, a few of you. Do you guys even know what eBay is? Remember, oh, oh easy now. Get sassy this morning here. Uh, <laughs> um, we're going to do a little game here, and you're going to have to stand up or sit down. No moving around, just right where you're at. Um, these items may or may not have been sold on eBay, okay? They may or may not have been sold on eBay, and you need to decide if they have been or not. So we will put an item up, and if you think it was sold, that it, it, somebody bought it with using U.S. American dollars, you just need to raise your hands, both hands, something like this, to show that you think that it's sold. If you don't, keep your hands down, okay? So, were these items sold or not sold on eBay? First item up for sale, a refurbished post-it note. If you think it was sold, put a hand up, two hands up, you know, raise your pinky toe, something like that. All right, it was starting at 25 cents, 25 cents. Okay, it was sold for 10.75, 10.75. Hey, refurbished, you know, it's almost as good as new. It looks like it, doesn't it, I, I tell you, yeah. All right, next item up for sale, friendship for a year, and man, I, this is <laughs> 99 cents, 99 cents, you think it happened, but okay, what's well, a split, about 50-50, it was sold for $1.25, $1.25, oh dear, all right, next item up for sale. Ooh, this is like old school McDonald's cheeseburger wrappers. Five dollars. $5. The cost of one cheeseburger right now, actually, in the United States, seems like. Five dollars. Well, a lot of you guys, a lot of you Not sold. Not sold. You know, give me a refurbished post-it note over a cheeseburger wrapper any day. All right, next item on for sale. A real, not a fake, a real mummified mouse. 99 cents, what is steel? Brothers, if you're, if you're here and you have sisters, this, oh man, perfect. All right, I think most of you guys say sold. 250 bucks? Man, that, that better be King Tut's mummified mouse, that's all I know, King Tut's mummified mouse. All right, next item up for sale. <laughs> Lucky lotto numbers. Lucky, can be yours for 99 cents. Uh, more of you saying no. Sold for 99 cents. Okay. <laughs> apart from just playing the lottery is ridiculous, why would you have to buy it if in the image the numbers are shown? You could just look at them and write them down and not even pay the 99 cents. Anyways. Some of you guys will get that here in a little bit. Uh, next <laughs> for sale, a gold-plated vacuum. How many of you would do your chores if you had a gold-plated vacuum cleaner? One dollar, look at that, one dollar. One dollar, no holler. Sure, mom. Oh. All right, you guys, five grand. 
five grand. That is awesome. That is awesome. All right, just a few, a few more items here for sale. I'll tell your kids there's no Santa. I'll do that for free. I'll do that for free. It was not sold. Oh, bah humbug. Jolly green pepper. Alex like a nice friend right there. Okay, put, put your hands down. How many of you would buy that for 99 cents? <laughs> All right, it was sold for 155 bucks. How many of you would buy it for $155? Okay, you're terrible with money. Bad investment. <laughs> All right, next item up for sale. <clears throat> if it is what I think it is. Oh, mm. <laughs> this is a good one. Toast, half eaten by Justin Timberlake. $1.99. Do you think it was sold? All right. It was sold for $3,154. How do you know that it was eaten? Like Some guy's in his basement has a loaf of whole wheat and a slab of butter, just like eating it and taking pictures. Eaten by Justin Timberlake, eaten by LeBron James. Like That's a good investment strategy. All right, last one, an opossum arm. Right there, reaching forward for the light. How many of you would like to buy that? This is like something, if you guys are like cleaning out a closet at your grandma or grandpa's house, and you're like, how? Grandma, why do you have this in here? And it's like, oh, I don't know, you know, I thought it was fun. <laughs> no, grandma, it's not. $9.99, it was not sold, not sold. I will buy a Jolly Green Pepper, but please keep your possum arms away from me. So eBay, you can find some interesting things on there. So invest your money wisely, kids. All right, take your Bibles this morning as we continue looking at what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And as we talked about yesterday, there's these, there's these four big questions that can be summed up in this one phrase. And this is the phrase, God, man, Christ's response. As we think of the gospel, as we think to understand it ourselves, but then also how we can share it with those around us. There are many different ways and tools and things to remember to help to clearly communicate the gospel, but I find this very helpful uh, for a couple reasons. One, some people don't believe in God. We talked about that yesterday a little bit. Some people have the wrong idea about who God is, right? That he's Santa Claus. He's just up there to, uh, to give you things. He's just the, the old grandpa who's asleep. Maybe he's the clockmaker who set everything in motion, just take a step back. I like sharing the gospel this way, and I think understanding it this way, because it starts at who God is. God is the creator. God is holy and righteous, and therefore, he has created us, so we belong to him. We answer to him. And God is holy and righteous, and we are not. We're going to talk about that today. And so there's a standard in which uh, God is. He is perfect. He's without sin. It cannot stand to be in the presence of God. Of sin, And so that's important to lay that foundation of who God is, that there is a God, that he exists, and that we are accountable to him. Today we're going to focus on man. Man. Let me ask this question, just a little review from yesterday. Where did we come from? Who created us? God. Right? 
Simple question with a simple answer. Who created us? God did, right? We looked at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. It also talks about it in chapter 2, when, uh, when specifically we see how God created uh, Eve from Adam. And so we have that, ooh, my voice is going, <coughs> we'll be all right. Uh, we see that God has created man, and therefore man is accountable to him. And God, uh, man belongs to God. So then the question is, who do we answer to? Who's the ultimate authority in our life? God. That might be a simple question with a simple answer, but it has huge implications. Huge, uh, it's a, it makes a huge difference in how we should live our lives, right? That we answer to God. At some point, we will have to give an account of ourselves before God. Everybody. Everybody who's ever lived is going to have to give an account of themselves before God because he's created us. He owns us. We, in a sense, report to him. So as we think of man, this question, what went wrong? In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we learned about this on Monday night, right? That God created everything in how many days? Six, seven, if you want to be technical, you know, six days and the seventh day he rested. But that creation week Right? And it says that God created everything, and it was good. And at the end, it said it was very good. It was very good. There are uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and they were uh, fellowshipping with God. It said in the, in the cool of the day, God would come and, and, and fellowship with them. But what went wrong? Can somebody tell me? What went wrong? This, this beautiful paradise Everything was as God has created it. It was good. It was very good in the eyes of God. But what went wrong? They sinned, right? They sinned. Take your Bibles and go to Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Genesis 3 is the account of the fall into sin. The fall into sin. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that, there, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So here are Adam and Eve in the garden. The serpent, who we would understand to be Satan, the devil, the adversary of God, come in. And it's interesting how he does this. God's in charge. He's the authority, right? But we don't necessarily like people who are in authority. But we understand that God is good and just and wise, so we can trust him. But what does the serpent do? 
he causes Eve to doubt what God said. He asked her, did God really say, did he actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said, and Eve said, answered, no, we can eat of any tree we want, just not just this one. But then Eve almost added something. She says, we, we can't even touch it. And we see already that the word of God, the truth of God and what he said is being blurred. It's not being uh, communicated clearly. There is some deception going on here. And so they were tempted and Eve took and she gave to Adam. And Adam took of the fruit and he ate. And both of their eyes were opened. The first sin, they disobeyed God. Disobedience. They wanted to be like God. They rejected the authority of God and who he was and the way that he had set things up. They said, no, we want to be like God. So they took and they ate. Their eyes were opened. Continuing on in verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was a naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Here we go. Guys, always blaming someone else. And the man said, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And then the next verse is we see how God judged their sin. He cursed the serpent that he would be on his belly and eat the dust. Verse 15, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. We'll come back around to this. Verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband and he shall but he shall rule over you. So you see, the curse of this sin is, is disruption to what God had created. To Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree, I command you, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground because of you. There'll be weeds, there'll be thistles. You'll have to work to bring forth food. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it were you taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So we see Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God, they rebelled, they said, no, we don't want to be subject to God, we want to be like God. Remember, sin is bad. The result of that sin, directly here, there'll be pain in childbearing. As women give birth, there'll be great pain. I have not experienced that. My wife has, three times. Um... The relationship between man and woman as a husband and wife will be difficult. The, the order of things will be upset because of sinful desires of women wanting to rule over men and, and men not taking their place as they should. And then for the ground will be cursed. Thistles and weeds will come up. And it will be hard work to grow food to, to provide. And ultimately, 
We come from dust, and to dust we shall return. Death has entered in. Judgment has come from disobeying God. It's a challenge of God's authority. Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, and God's perfect world was broken. They rebelled. They disobeyed God, and sin entered the world. You might say, well, that's Adam and Eve. What does that make a difference for us? Guess what? That sin nature has been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation down to you and me here today. Turn to Romans 5. Romans 5. Romans 5 verse 12. Paul's writing here and he's talking about the beginning of chapter 5, how we have peace with God. But he says this in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, sin entered in the world through one man. Who was that man? Adam. Adam. And death through sin. So death has come through sin. Physical death and spiritual death. Separation from God. Being under God's judgment is a result of sin. And look at this, and sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. All of us are sinners. But in our nature, we are sinners. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But that sin has been passed down. You might say, well, I, I wasn't there with Adam and Eve. I, you know, I, how, how, can they, how can they represent me? How can, how can that be passed down to me? I said, well, try not to sin then. Okay, try not to sin. We are by nature sinners. It's who we are. It's, it's, it's just in our very being that we are sinful people. And that is the biggest problem that you and I face. That's the biggest problem that anybody in this world faces. There's a lot of difficult things out there as a result of sin, but the greatest need of any individual is the need for Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. That's the greatest need that is out in the world today because we are all sinners. In the little book, What is the Gospel, the author says this. He says, in all the universe, there's only one thing that God had not placed under Adam's feet. God himself. Yet Adam decided this arrangement was not good enough for him, and so he rebelled. And I think that last word is important. He rebelled. That idea of rebellion, of fighting against, that is what we are. We are rebels. We are in rebellion to God, to the authority of who he is, and we want to throw that off and live like we are in charge. That is the key issue. That's what went wrong. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Let me ask you this question. Who's the worst sinner you know? All right, I... I see a lot of correct answers going, going like this. Not at me, but like to, to yourselves. <laughs> you! <laughs> no. That's a very good answer. And I uh, ask that question to my teens in Mason City all the time. Who is the worst sinner you know? 
you are. Because I know what goes on in my own heart and my own mind that nobody else knows except for God. I know all the thoughts that happen. I know all the words that are on my tongue but don't come out. I know all the desires and motives in my actions that I can fool others with except for God. I'm the worst sinner that I know by far. And I think that's important because that shows, it demonstrates how you view sin and how you view your own sin. Sometimes we can get this idea as we talk about sin and judgment and, and, and salvation, that it's something that, that other people need. Other people are sinners. People out there are sinners. No, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. And my sin, one sin, is enough to send me straight to hell. And you know what? It would be completely fair if God did that. Because God, as we learned yesterday, is a holy and righteous God and cannot stand sin. He judges sin. We have some false views of sin. Sometimes we can do this. We can confuse sin with sin's effects. Sometimes we can look at things going on in our life and realize, well, this didn't work out and, and this isn't how I wanted it and, and everything is out there. It's on the outside, the effects of sin, rather than it working in our own hearts. Romans 3.10 says this, there are none who are righteous, no, not one. Ultimately, when we look at sin, it needs to come back to us, to sin in our own lives. It's not just everything that's out there, but it's what's in us. Romans 3.10, there are none who are righteous, no, not one. That is actually the verse that God used to get a hold of my life. What a wonderfully grace-filled verse. There are none who are righteous, no, not one. But it's what I needed to hear because I thought I was righteous. All the problems were out there when my greatest problem was inside. It was my own sin, my own sin nature. Romans 3.23, we mentioned this yesterday. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. Every person has sinned. That's what Romans 1 to 3 is about, is the rebellion of mankind, of Gentile and Jew, living according to their own passions that God has given them over to, and that there are none who are righteous. Confusing sin out there, sin's effects, with actually what the root issue is inside of us. Sometimes we can do this. We can reduce sin just to, do, to a broken relationship. Oh, I've offended God. It, it's just a misunderstanding. It's, it's just, ah, uh, he's just not my buddy right now. Oh God, it's, it's all right. No, sin, like we already mentioned, is rebellion. Sin is, uh, is being an enemy of God. We were, by nature, children of wrath. Uh, the author says this in a quote from the book. He says, the Bible's teaching is that sin is indeed a breaking of relationship with God. Yeah. But that broken relationship consists in a rejection of his kingly majesty. It's not just adultery. It is also rebellion. Not just betrayal, but also treason. 
We have rebelled against God. We're throwing off his authority and say, we want to live how we want to live. Sometimes we can confuse sin with negative thinking. And this goes back to the serpent's lie in Genesis 3. Did God really say? There's a lot of talk out there. If any of you guys go to public school, how many of you guys go to public school? Okay. Primarily, you get a lot of this in, in the public school. I, I, I grew up going to public school. I was saved in a public school. So uh, I have a heart for you guys. God used a faithful Christian in a public school to save me. And so uh, stay strong, stay faithful. God is you where you're at and can use you in a mighty way. You can be a great light in a very dark world. But there's a lot of teaching, whether through public school, shoot, even now on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat, whatever it is, of the idea of, well, that's just negative thinking. Be positive. Be positive. Think of like all those classic posters in office buildings, you know, you know, strength, courage, you know, uh, persevere, all these different things. It's just positive thinking. Well, just think positive. Don't think negative, right? Sin is just, don't, don't bring it down. Just, just stay positive, man. Woo. No, that undercuts the seriousness of sin. And I think this last point is important here. Confusing sin with sins. You're like, what in the world does that mean? First, let's flip to Psalm 51, verse 5. Psalm 51 is a psalm that David wrote, King David, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, he had a physical relationship with a woman who was not his wife, and that led to more sin because then he had her husband uh, killed, murdered. Uh, it led to lying and deception. And here is David's cry, his plea. Verse 5, he says this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. What does that mean? Did did David's mom do something wrong? That's not, what that sin, uh, that's not what that verse is talking about. What it's saying is that David's nature, he was born with a sin nature. He was born with a sin nature. He says, this is who I am. I am a sinner. And we see that played out more in Ephesians chapter 2 in the New Testament. If you flip there. I've already mentioned these few verses a few times. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 4. Paul writes and he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Were you kind of dead? Any Princess Bride fans out there, you were mostly dead? Right? Were you just kind of sick? No. You were dead in your sin. Sin isn't just this little problem that you need to take some medicine and you'll get better from. It is in you. Sin is not just the wrong stuff that you do, but it's, it's who you are. It, it's, it's in our very being. 
And that's why it's so important to realize the sinful tendencies of us in rebellion against God. So, verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What Paul is saying here is that our normal, not normal, our natural tendencies in our sinful nature is to rebel against God. It's who we are. So if someone were to ask you, is man good or bad? Some people think, well, at the basis of it, all humanity is good. There's still good left in in humankind. God's common grace flows through all kinds of different ways. But ultimately, man is sinful. Man needs a savior. Man is in rebellion against God. It's who we are. That's how the Bible talks about the depth and darkness of our sin. It is in us, not just on us. I already said this. It's not something that just needs to be washed off, but it's something that's in us that, that needs to be killed. <laughs> uh, Paul says it in Romans. It needs to be put to death. We are sinners. We are by nature children of wrath. I think this is important because this is something that I've learned more and more over the years and way more than even when I was in junior high, well, I wasn't a believer in junior high, in high school, is the depth of my sin. And it might be hard for you guys to realize this because you're you're just, some of you are, are saved, you may just be growing, some of you may not be saved and so you don't even realize your sin. But the more you grow in Jesus Christ, the more you realize how sinful you are. And that's okay. Because that means God's at work in your life exposing your sin. But young people, as we're here today, as we're looking at God's word together, let me tell you this. You are all sinners. And you all deserve to go to hell. You all deserve to go to hell. Not because I think so, because I'll be right there alongside with you but it's because of what God's word says. We are all sinners. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin, wages, it's what we earn, is what? It's death. If God was fair and just and wanted to send us all to hell right now, he could. He could. Because he created us. We are accountable to him, and we are sinful. We do not measure up. We've disobeyed. We've rebelled against him. That is our greatest problem, and that is our greatest need. There's nothing you can do before him to earn your way into heaven. There's not enough good works to outweigh your sin. There's not enough times that you could go to church. You can't be baptized enough. You can't take communion enough. You can't help enough little old ladies across the road to earn your way into heaven because you are by nature a sinner, a rebel, somebody who is rejecting the authority of Jesus. And you might be thinking, ah, who cares? I have time. We don't know how many days we have. And if God decided to right now to take us all, he could. He could. Sin is serious, right? Sin is bad. That's the most simplest way to put it, and that is our greatest problem. 
So as we think about what is the gospel, we are maybe have a tendency to say, well, God loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. And we don't emphasize enough the fact, what do we need to be saved from? I think that's so important. If we don't communicate what we need to be saved from, then why did Jesus need to die in the first place? We need to be saved from our sin, from our rebellion against God. There's nothing that you can do to earn salvation, to save yourself. And that leads to the question, well, what hope is there? What hope is there? What, what can we do? If we are by nature children of, wrath, children of wrath, we are all sinners, everything we earn leads to death, what can we do? And the simple answer is nothing. That's kind of hopeless, right? That's the bad news. But gospel means good news, right? That's what we're going to look at tomorrow, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That God, the one whom we've rebelled against, has made a way for us to be saved, to have our sins forgiven. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow. So I know this morning was kind of heavy. Who wants to come to camp and learn about sin and, ah, you're bad, you're going to hell, you deserve judgment. (laughs) But you need to understand that. and You need to understand the seriousness of your sin and the effects that it has on you. And the fact that God is going to judge sin. I pray that that has impacted you, that you're thinking about that and inspect your own heart and life and think, man, I really am a sinner. Man, I need a savior. Listen tonight as Monty shares. Listen tomorrow as we talk about who Jesus is. Talk to your counselor. Tell me more about Jesus and how I can have forgiveness of my sins. That's why we're here, and that's what we want to share with you, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to look at your word and the seriousness of sin. Lord, it is serious. It is, it is our greatest problem. It is our biggest need, the fact that we are sinners and that judgment is coming for our sin. Lord, it's been, a, it's been a heavy lesson focusing on that, but it's important for us to realize the immensity, the weight of our sin, because it's when we realize the immensity and the weight of our sin, we realize how amazing God's grace truly is, how amazing His love for us is, the fact that He is merciful, God, that we do not deserve to be saved by Jesus but yet he saves us. Lord, I pray for these seventh and eighth graders. I pray as they go and have cabin follow-up time, Lord, if they have questions about their sin, if they have question about, you know, what can we do about their sin, Lord, that they would ask, that they realize that, that there is a remedy, that there is forgiveness for this problem, for this rebellion that we have against Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would see ourselves in light of who you are. Lord, that you would help us live lives that bring honor and glory to you as we love others around us. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen.